0: It's time for
1: JT the Brick.
0: The Raiders need a wake-up call right now. If you don't progress and get better, they will cut you or trade you. You don't throw the ball out of bounds when you're down eight. There is no excuse for that. Everybody knows that my philosophy is to play faster. Don't huddle up when you don't need to huddle up. Make the play simpler. Run simpler plays and run them faster. Run them until you're blue in the face and don't leave practice until the janitor says we're closing the lights out. You guys gotta go home. We're gonna run it. We're gonna run it. We're gonna run it. Give the ball to Devontae, Jacoby, and Hunter and Michael i don't care who the sixth receiver is
1: jt the
0: brick too many people are getting comfortable smarter faster more explosive players who are disruptors everything that you could read that was negative and wasn't positive in this game i gave you in the first five minutes of the show and i do it five days a week on my radio show there's no sugarcoating here you're a raider fan act like it get behind the team and now uh-oh
1: here's jt the brick
0: Welcome back. Hour number two of the show, JT in Vegas, coming off the Raider victory. The good of it, what had it to ha- what had to happen, and what could happen going forward. Jets play tonight. The Jets will be in Vegas next Sunday. On Monday, it's a pleasure to welcome in, as always, Sam Munson, kind enough to join us from PFF. Sam, I want to begin with you on CJ Stroud. What is going on? I see the rookie record for this game here, but what are you seeing with his progressions and how this is coming to him? It looks so easily.
1: Yeah, he looked phenomenal this week. Um, I think by far the best game he's had uh, so far in the NFL in what's been a really encouraging rookie campaign. I mean, he's playing absolutely fantastically. This was an incredible game. I think Bobby Slowick and that offense there in in Houston – The first-time offense coordinator, he's brought that Shanahan system to Houston, uh, an offense that's taking over the rest of the NFL as well. The receivers that looked on paper like uh, a potential weakness heading into the season, it's actually a pretty good group. I mean, Nico Collins was on the verge of a breakout season anyway. Tank Dell, the rookie, looks like a fantastic receiver. So it's all coming together, and C.J. Stroud is looking like he's an established veteran already. He's aggressive. He's making the right reads. He's not pulling, putting the ball in harm's way. And when the chips have been down late in games, that's when he's been at his best.
0: Sam, I think it's interesting here that he's getting it and they're giving him a lot of trust. You know, there's a lot of rookie quarterbacks in this league, and we'll get to a few of them. They just don't get the playbook. You see offensive coordinators trying to just check down, establish the run, do other things, and then work the young quarterback into a rhythm games down the road or just try to get him in and out of games. Why is that nice? not the case with C.J. Stroud? It seems like he has command of the entire playbook.
1: Yeah, I think they trust them enough to do it. Mm-hmm. I think they also know that their best chance of everything working well is to do the things that, you know, high-end quarterbacks do. It's pass the ball. Um, it's pick up first downs on first down, pick up first downs on second down, not let it get to third and long before you need your quarterback to pull a, an excellent throw out of the fire. Um, I, I think they just have a collective understanding on how best for this offensive function.
0: Sam Munson is our guest. Uh, I was at the Raider-Giant game. Daniel Jones goes down and the non-contact. It was interesting to see how that happened and when it happened. He was under duress throughout the game. It's just a shame for him getting the contract extension, the Giants believing in him, the amount of money that's owed to him, Sam. Sam, give me a couple of your opinions and options of what the Giants do long-term with him considering the quarterback market that's developing.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I think they signed him to that deal, and it it was one of those deals that didn't look great at the time. I think they they essentially valued the flexibility of the salary cap and and the franchise tag and wanting to be able to use that on Saquon Barkley and, and get him tied down as well. And Daniel Jones being signed to this deal was kind of a necessary evil to get that done. But realistically, Daniel Jones was always the type of quarterback, given where he was and the season he was coming off who was tailor-made for a franchise tag, you know, make him play one year on a guaranteed deal and prove that he can do it again, which obviously this season would not have happened. They would have shown, you know, the folly of giving him a, a, an extension coming off the back of last season, where so many of the numbers and the performances from the giants were obviously unsustainable and ripe for regression and weren't going to repeat again next year. So, I think they're in kind of a tough spot now. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to draft somebody and you know, bring in his um, successor or replacement, but they may be stuck with Daniel Jones for a little bit on the roster, even if he's not going to be the starter for the moment.
0: PFF Sam Munson joins us. Appreciate his time. Conversely with the Raiders, look, everybody's got an opinion on what, what was the culture. Josh McDaniels leaves. It looks like the players were very aggressive in their celebration. They kind of wanted to cleanse it and move on under Antonio Pierce. Knowing everything we know now and what you know with your contacts, what do you think happened and what could happen now for the Raiders with the coaching change?
1: I think the thing that stands out is that Josh McDaniels didn't learn anything from his first time, from his time coaching the Denver Broncos, you know, more than a decade ago. He seems to have gone away spent 10 years being an offense coordinator and just decided to run it back again, rather than let's try and do it in a different way. And, you know, the collective sort of analysis of that Raiders tenure was this was somebody that was given too much too soon and he made some obvious mistakes. And the next time he gets a chance, things will be different, but they really don't appear to have been, you know, all the, the stories you're hearing come out. It sounds like you could just replace Raiders with Broncos and they could easily have been the same stories from a decade ago that's what's absolutely crazy to me is that, you know, he doesn't appear to have learned lessons and tried to do things in a different way. He's just tried to repeat the playbook that didn't work 10 years ago. And, And now he's going to go down as two of the worst coaching hires in the last 25 years.
0: Sam, I want to go to the AFC North with Baltimore's win seven and two. And we saw Cincinnati beat Buffalo. And that's two for Joe Burrow over Josh Allen, and that's not the end of the world. We always looked at Manning's record versus Brady. I get all that, but it just seems to me that Cincinnati might be a little bit better than Buffalo now, something I wouldn't have said the last couple of years, and possibly Baltimore leapfrogging both Buffalo and Cincinnati. Walk me through that division, especially with the Steelers in it at 5-3. and three.
1: Yeah, I mean, that division is extremely tough I think right now if the playoffs started today all four teams Mm -hmm. would be in the postseason Um, I think three of them probably make it by the end of the season I I think probably the Bills or whoever the second team is going to be in the AFC East will make it but three teams from the north are easily have a good chance of making the postseason and yeah Baltimore looks fantastic they're one of the best teams in the league right now but now that Cincinnati has a healthy Joe Burrow I don't know that there's a better team in the league right now. Um, and over the last couple of years, when they went on the Super Bowl run, when they lost in the AFC title game last year, and then this year, when they're at their best, they have shown that their sort of biggest punch, their strongest punch might be better than anybody else. I mean, he's now, what, 2-0 and against Josh Allen. They were winning the third game when, obviously, DeMar Hamlin had his cardiac arrest, and, and that game was abandoned. Um, he was 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes before the Chiefs finally got a late win in the, the AFC title game and got one back. They are 4-2, and I think, against the Baltimore Ravens uh, over the last uh, few years. Every good team that they run up against, every other contender, the Bengals are beating. Their, their best play seems to be better than the best teams they play against, even if you know, they've only made it to one Super Bowl and then lost that game.
0: Wrapping up with Sam Monson, PFF, the only team that's undefeated on the road in the AFC, the Jacksonville Jaguars, six and two, four and zero on the road. They got to establish a home field advantage which they don't have it feels like it's in London more so than Jacksonville walk me through what their goals are and what they need to do that's five in a row and I'm not hearing it on national platforms that this Jacksonville Jaguar team's a Super Bowl contender just more of that it's a lot it's a good story similar to what I'm seeing in New Orleans with the Saints how do you see the Jaguars going forward here
1: yeah longest win streak in the NFL and their two losses came against a Kansas city chiefs team who we know are good. um, And it was a low scoring, pretty tight game. And then a Houston Texans team who turned out are a lot better than people thought they were when that game happened. So it it is a reasonable resume that Mm Jacksonville stacking up, but you know, you've got to keep it going. Now you've got San Francisco, Tennessee, even if they're not the team that they used to be Houston, again, Cincinnati, like their, their schedule is getting tougher. So what they need to do is just keep it going. Even if they don't win out, you know, just, keeping that good record moving against what is going to be a much tougher schedule uh, over the next uh, six games or so than it has been at the start of the year.
0: Last one, Sam. You dove into that Dallas-Philly game pretty closely. You were live-tweeting at the time. You watched it. I didn't get a chance to watch the entire game. But what was the ebb and flow of the officiating C.D. Lamb? And it doesn't seem like Philadelphia is playing close to great, perfect football, but they're winning there. I picked the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl over Cincinnati. That was my pick. I heard and thought they outplayed him for a lot of the game. How would you see it as you look back on it? Yeah,
1: I, I think for the first time in a while, Dallas really did go toe-to-toe with one of the better teams in the NFL. Mm. And, okay, there's some caveats there. Philadelphia were banged up in the secondary. Um, Jalen Hurts is, is nursing a knee injury, and, and that got kind of reaggravated in that game. He took another shot to that knee. Um, but Dallas did. They, they kept going blow for blow with them and they were coming back at the end and they had a shot to win it. And unfortunately for them, they didn't manage to get it done. So, you know, it kind of depends on the coaching job, really how they sell that as a, an outcome to the rest of the Cowboys locker room, because this was a different game than it was when they played the last really good team, the 49ers and just got absolutely annihilated and blown out. Um, but they still couldn't get it done. So if they can sell the Cowboys, the, the team, that this is a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. we're right there, we play Philly again in a couple of weeks and it's at home this time, You know we're going to get the win then, then I think it's a good step in the right direction and on the road to where they need to go. On the other hand, the outcome was the same, and that's the narrative on this Cowboys team, which is they're good, they can beat up on bad teams, when they run up against the best teams in the league, they keep finding a way to come up short.
0: Appreciate you, Sam. We'll talk to you next Monday. Always appreciate your time. Anytime. Take it easy. You got it, Sam Munson. That's really good analysis around the league. So you hear what he said about Josh McDaniels and what he learned and didn't learn. Look, when I sat down and interviewed him every week, I think he understood what he did wrong in Denver. He said it at his press conference. The players near the end, and not the entire time, the players near the end, which was the last couple of weeks, didn't have the passion that they had to play football. When he initially got hired and that was evident to see and the fans saw it and there was a change made and we saw the change with Antonio Pierce as Antonio Pierce had the team emotionally ready to go. Now he's supposed to do that. Jeff Saturday did that last year at Allegiant Stadium and Indy came in with Matt Ryan who could barely walk and beat the Raiders. So this was expected by Coach Pierce, expected from him and he delivered. And he left no, no doubt. That's why this was such a dominant performance. The game was over at halftime. Now he's got to do a totally different thing. Not on a short week, on a regular week here, get ready, after a victory Monday and have the team at the same sky-high level, which shouldn't be hard to do on Sunday night football. Sunday night football is now bigger than Monday night football. It's the biggest television show in America. That should already be built in. The juice of the Raiders to play in that game. But the execution and putting together another game plan for a different team, that's on him. And he's going to count on his coaches to get it done. Thanks to uh, Sam for joining us, Sam Munson there. Last night, and I'm hosting Mad Dog Sports Radio tonight, Monday's my albatross day. We get in here early. Raiders Press Conference Live, which is on Fox 5 in Vegas. If you're listening in Vegas, 1 o'clock every Monday, Eric Allen and I, we record that at about 11.30 in the morning, and they play it here at 1 after the coach speaks. And then I jump into this show, and then I go on Mad Dog again from 4 to 7. Busy Monday. But last night as I was on the air, a lot of Cowboy fans called me, and they were pretty upset about the fact that the Cowboys were excited about a moral victory. And Cowboy because Mike McCarthy and especially Dak Prescott, Dak said, Well, there was a lot, it was a lot of good that came out of today. And people are like, What? You lost. You lost to a division rival, a division game on the road. And the Cowboys seemed to be saying, Hey, we we did pretty good. And Sam just said it there, and he's one of the best analysts in all of football. So I don't believe in moral victories, never have, never will. I grew up in New York. We didn't care if you lost and you played well. This is NASCAR where you get points for coming in fourth. It's win or lose. Just win, baby. That's what this whole building is painted like. When you come into the gates, the will to win, everything that's happening here. It's not about losing closely. And that's one of the things that I think on this show, especially on the pregame show that I've done with the Josh McDaniels era that came to an end, is that the Raiders were losing so many games dramatically. The Jacksonville game last year. The Arizona home opener last year, the Baker Mayfield game, the Tyson Bagent game, the Jeff Saturday game, all of these losses had names that were embarrassing to the Raider Nation. The Jeff Saturday game, the Baker Mayfield game, no, that doesn't happen. Well, it didn't happen back in the day, but the Raiders played in games like the Immaculate Reception, the Holy Roller the sea of hands, most of them were victories, not all of them, Ghost to the post. I saw Dave Casper on the sideline yesterday shook his hand. So the Raiders had so many bad losses. The Tyson-Bajan game is the reason why this coaching staff was changed. I've been trying to pound that point home, and I don't think I need to because as Coach Antonio Pierce said, we're on from the giant game in the past. If this team wins in Chicago, the entire staff is here. I don't know how Mark Davis could have got rid of Josh McDaniels if the team would have beat Chicago, then lost to Detroit. They would have been four and four. And I think Josh McDaniels beats the Giants and maybe the Jets. But the embarrassing losses at Chicago and at Detroit, the no-show in the first half of Detroit, three completions on the day in the first half was big enough for Mark Davis to sit down with the players, the captains, in the building or out to dinner, have a team meeting where the players felt confident enough from what I heard to get right after the coach and rip the coach and come after him, as Jay Glazer said, hard. And then after all of that, Mark sat back and said, how could I go forward with this? And why did he choose Antonio Pierce? I think he thought that Antonio Pierce was the guy who could motivate the team and have them mentally prepared to play a different brand of Raider football, and we saw that in the first game. We saw a different style of Raiders football, and we'll talk to Levi Edwards about that, uh, coming up here. Ira in Tennessee, appreciate you being patient. Go ahead, Ira. No worries, JT. Thanks again for taking mm-hmm. my call. Yep. I was watching
1: that the Chiefs and Dolphins game, and since the Dolphins scored 70 against the
0: Broncos, and the Chiefs, they really haven't played that well. So I don't see why the Raiders can't take a split against Kansas City and one against Miami. Well, I I think the split against Kansas City is most likely, Ira, because Kansas City is not destroying teams. And Kansas City, I don't think their defense is playing well. Their defense is really playing well. And that could be a problem for the Raiders. And Mahomes doesn't have Tyreek Hill. And Travis Kelsey, uh, Mr. Swifty, isn't playing the way he usually plays. So I hope the Raiders can stay in both the Kansas City games and maybe be in it late to win. Uh, The Miami game intrigues me a little bit more. Because I think Miami Miami's either gonna get out and run and pass and try to get out to a big lead, or two is gonna make mistakes. As much as two is playing well and I gotta give him credit, I think two is due for a bad game and he hasn't beaten anybody good this year. Now the Raiders at best would not be a winning team going into Miami. At best they'd be a five hundred team at five and five. But yeah, I'm confident the Raiders can go into South Florida and win that game. But the advantage is gonna be to the Dolphins. They'll be a heavy favorite at home. Well, I'm excited. I mean, watching that game yesterday brought back memories of the early the early 2000s and even with Rich Passaccia. So I was I was really pumped.
1: And, you know, they needed a change, and the change is good. You know, sometimes in life
0: you need change no matter what it is. So go Raiders, and let's continue this uh, push towards the playoffs and the wild card, hopefully. Yes, and that's what it's about. It's about the push, uh, the push to the wild card. The Raiders don't have to be perfect, but they have to be much better than they've played all year if they're going to make a playoff push. They got to be really good. And certain days in life, your glasses half full. How could I not be glasses half full today? Raiders won a game, and we're in the building doing a bunch of shows on different platforms. I'm happy about that. The only thing that I wouldn't say concerns me, but I'm going to be stressing often on this show, is the offense has to be better, significantly better. Five wide, which they did in the game. The bomb to Trey Tucker worked. I think we need to see more motion. And Bo Hart agree once he gets comfortable calling the plays at a game pace level, the team's got to take more chances with Aiden O'Connell. they got to get Devontae going. Devontae's still not going. Devontae's happy they're winning. But Devontae hasn't gotten going in this game back. And Aiden O'Connell is going to have to find a way to get Devante ten receptions a game. Not eight, not Seven. Devante is in the prime of his career. This rookie quarterback, who we all like and we wish him well, has got to elevate his game to Devontae's level of at least attempts. You're not going to be Devontae Adams. He's not Aaron Rodgers. But Devontae's got to get all those targets. Trey Tucker has got to get targets. Michael Mayer has got to get targets. Look, I was happy that when Hunter Renfro caught a couple of balls, everybody in Jess got up and clapped and all that. That's because Hunter wasn't involved at all. But I, I remember here, I was here when Hunter had over 100 receptions where Hunter could get 12, 15 targets in a game. Same with Darren Waller. So it's got to be when Waller was at his best and Renfro was at its best in this building, they got a ton of targets. Now there's better players as Devontae Adams. Jacoby Myers is really, really good. And you got weapons all up and down that offense, and the offensive line played better, but it was against the Giants. That's what I want to dive into, too. They played better, but it was against the Giants. Can the offensive line play that fierce against the Jets and the Jets' front? Because the Jets' front is better than the Giants. When we come back, Levi Edwards will join us in studio from the digital team. He's in the locker room. He's at the press conferences. We'll get his vibe on what's happening. Good to see Tommy White from the 872 Laborers yesterday. Got a chance to see him on the sideline and up in his suite. As he's always bringing the people that work for 872 and build this city on time and on budget. Really important as we are the sports and entertainment capital of the world. And we are proud partners of local 872. Welcome
1: back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by the
0: DeCasta Verde Law Group. If you get into an accident, call 702 222 9999. JT, back with you, the DeCastaverdi Law Group. I want to thank Alex and Orlando Uh They sent some of their staff, some of their great young people, over to our broadcast on Friday at La Casa Cigars. And that meant a lot to me because they were right there in Tivoli Village, too. And a group of them, five, six, seven, came over. And had some drinks and supported me. We took a great picture. I really want to thank the DeCastaverde Law Group. If you get into an accident, 702-222-9999, it's crazy out here. It literally is. Uh, I don't care if you live out in the mean streets of Summerlin or, or deep, 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 deep Henderson, where I am today. You get on these freeways, you get on the strip, whatever you're doing, it's Pretty rough out there, so you need to have an injury attorney or someone who could help you if you need anything when it comes to legal representation. That's the Castaverti Law Group, proud partners of our show. Levi Edwards is going to join us in a moment. The thing I wanted to tell you about Antonio Pierce's interview that he just had, his press conference, which I thought was cool, is he was asked about Tyree Wilson, and he kind of had a joke. He said, well, we're trying to get him out of his stance from the beginning, Josh McDaniels would have never said that, and I'm all right with that. Josh McDaniels did not have a sense of humor at the press conference. If you asked him about Tyree Wilson, he would give you the regular answer, well, he's starting to get better, he's showing improvement. He's showing improvement. Well, this guy should be showing improvement. He was taken number 7 overall. That was a very important draft pick to Dave Ziegler. First-round pick, you could have traded that pick up and got who? C.J. Stroud. That's the elephant in the room now in this building, and I like the way that Dave Ziegler drafted. I do. I thought Dave had a well-thought-out plan with his scouting department, Champ Kelly, a part of that who's still here and hopefully is here forever. Good guy. But when it came down to taking Tyree Wilson at number 7 overall, you better believe you can scrutinize that pick, and hopefully we get to the point where no one has a problem with it. Everybody's sitting there saying, wow, we got an edge rusher opposite of Max Crosby who can dominate. But Antonio Pierce made light of it. Said, well, you know, we had to get him out of his stance because in the first couple of games, he wasn't even getting off the ball. And the coach said that today and he laughed about it because he has a sense of humor and he doesn't want everybody being tight. Doesn't want everybody being tight and everybody on top of each other and, oh my God, what'd you say? I've been doing this a very long time 25 years with the team, 27 overall. And I don't, you know, the access that I have to the coach, I can't believe it's a blessing. It's incredible opportunity. And then the access I have around the organization, if I need it, I can sit down with anybody. If I ask, and I normally don't, I stay in my lane. But the players were not easy to sit down in front of with the former regime because they weren't made available. And I knew that when I took this job and I have this job, I know that under certain regimes, the players aren't going to be available So the former regime that was just let go, taking you behind the scenes, they're not super comfortable with putting players on TV or radio. They don't need to. They're like, no, we don't do that. We didn't come from that. We don't do that. Now we've seen a change in three or four days. I have. Everybody has. Everybody's a little bit looser. No one's worried about the little things like that. Everybody's trying to get back to having fun and playing winning football. And we saw that, and Levi Edwards saw that in the locker room, pregame and postgame, and he joins us live in studio. Nice to get a win. You must have had a good fun 24 hours.
2: Well, it's been an amazing 24 hours, and like you were just saying, JT, you can't ignore the vibe. The vibe is very high. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. You can't ignore it. It's, it's been amazing, and they look like they were having fun out there.
0: I agree, and do you think that had to happen? Because it could have came about slowly, like, hey, give him a little bit of freedom, give him a little bit more of this, the music, whatever the culture change you want to make. Seemed like Coach Pierce went all in. He just said, everybody go have fun, have a blast, do what you need to do, just be ready to play.
2: Just be ready to play, and it's because he's a player. He's mm-hmm. a player's coach, obviously, so he has the respect for his players to kind of let them do what they do. As long as you work hard, as long as you come in the building, you bust your ass— and you you can do you can be yourself, you know you have the freedom to be yourself and express yourself the way that you want to, and him being a player, him being a Super Bowl winning player, mm-hmm. he understands that and how the culture needs to be in the locker room, and I think that he is fully bought in on that. It's kind of like you know when you're a teacher and you let the kids out for recess. it's just kind of like go out there, do your thing,
0: yeah, and what's interesting about this, and I know you know that I lived it at the time when Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin was going to his career was going to end with the Giants if he didn't tone it down and the players had kind of not a revolt but a big meeting and they it was the beginning of the end of Tom Coughlin and he got the message he got the message and he changed and it changed the Giants and he ended up winning two super Bowls and that's all well said and done. I support that and the cigars in the locker room so you get in the locker room after they win and you work for the team and have access and you get in there. What's some of the stories you can tell us behind the scenes what'd you say?
2: Uh, well, f- shout out Cam Russo. I walk in the locker room and Cam, he's our uh, PR guy. He's like, uh, just to let you guys know, it's uh, going to get a little smoke in here. Uh, and I'm like, OK, cool. So I walk in and the first thing I see is AJ Cole just ripping off uh, a <laughs> fat cigar. And then I look next to him, and Troy Pride is over here, just you know, Troy Pride's over here jamming. Uh, I forgot what song they were playing, it, but they had it blasting, they had the music blasting. Everybody's smoking cigars, everybody's having a good time, everybody's just like free. And you know, you couldn't tell them they didn't win a Super Bowl yesterday, just with the way that they were celebrating and just happy, just just exuberant within the locker room. Everywhere you talk, everywhere you went, everyone you talked to is just happy because they were able to finally put together. On film, a good game, just yeah. in all three phases, even with special teams. Shout out AJ Cole breaking the this you know the, the punt record. Cole. Incredible game from AJ Cole, Amir Abdullah with the special teams tackles, the way that the defensive line played, the secondary, everyone. It was just a good collective performance. So when you have a game like that that you put on film, you got to celebrate.
0: Levi Edwards in studio, I'm happy you brought that up. It's hard. It was hard to sit here for two months and not have one good game to talk about. We had victories. The Denver victory to start off 1-0 was big. And Jimmy played well in that game and slid in bounds to keep the clock going. I thought that was okay. But that was, to me, the high point of the season for the offense. The safety sack to beat New England was unbelievable. The offense didn't play that great. I was, I was struggling with how poorly this offense was performing. And I don't think they played great going 5 of 14 on third down yesterday, but when they had to make plays early to put the game away by halftime, Aiden O'Connell, Jacoby Myers, and especially Josh Jacobs were ready.
2: Most definitely. And it was just the way Aiden O'Connell played, it was just complete. Just 360 from what we saw against the Chargers. Just with the way that he was poised in the pocket, the way that he was able to see the field, go his through his proger- progressions. And it wasn't a perfect game by any means. He didn't, you know, mm-hmm. go all out. He didn't have any sort of insane performance, but he he didn't make any mistakes. Necessarily, good point. He was able to find receivers, whether he missed the throw or not. He was able to find receivers um, in one-on-one situations. He got the ball out quick. He was able to kind of navigate around the pocket. And shout out to the offensive line because the offensive line is the reason why we saw what happened yesterday with the way that they were able to block for Aiden, the way they were able to create holes for Josh Jacobs and Amir Abdullah. Mm-hmm. Like it was just good collective performance from the offense where we've seen them be able to you know coast and you know skate out wins we've seen that before they've done that 3 times before this season this was the first game where we got to see the offense take off take off the belt and actually whoop somebody in a game and it was it was a very very happy sight to see
0: Levi Edwards from the digital team puts out a lot of great content always in front of the coach So let's stay with the offensive line because we talked to you on Mondays here in studio and the Jets game will be, that's going to be a late night. We had Sunday night football, be back in the studio here on next Monday. And I think the Raiders have to play better on offense to beat the Jets. The concern for me, the Jets rushing defense is terrible. I think it's 31st in the league. They give up chunks on the ground, but they have sauce and a secondary. That reminds me a lot of the Denver Broncos. Their strength is on the back end. So as much as I need Aiden O'Connell to play better going five wide and taking shots and throwing bombs, I don't know if you can do it against the Jets. And then we got Miami and Kansas City after that where you're going to have to throw deep. How important are these practices coming up with the offense to make sure they can be explosive when they need to be?
2: Well, it's gonna be extremely important and I think for Aiden it's really just about continuing to keep his poise, mm-hmm. continuing to do his thing, and he needs to take what's in front of him. Because this Jets defense, you can look at the Jets record and you can, you know, make all the memes and jokes about Zach Wilson that you want, but he's winning games. He's finding a way to, you know, turn out victories and their defense, despite, you know, however their rush defense is, mm-hmm. that's a raw defense. With it the is. way that sauce looks, the way that Quentin Williams looks, just the way that they're operating as a unit, uh, collectively, they, that's a good defense. And this is going to be a real challenge. This is going to be the best defense Aiden O'Connell has faced in his NFL career uh, you know, in terms of an opposition opponent. So it's like he's got to be ready for that. And I think it's really going to come down to a lot, like you said, with the offensive line, the way that they play, the way they protect for him, and also just him being able to take what's in front of him and really make plays when it's there.
0: It's interesting because the Jets only have played seven games because they played tonight and they've had a bye week. So the Raiders haven't had a bye week and they played yesterday. So the Raiders threw 9 games, the Jets threw 7. The Raiders give up 330 a game and the Jets give up 229.3. It's less than a yard when it comes to total yardage, but when I look at the rushing yards per game, which is a stat I always look at, the Raiders are giving up 138 yards on the ground and the Jets are giving up 144. I talked to Eric Allen about it earlier today on Press Conference Live. I don't see how we don't go into this game pounding it again. You got a team that's giving up 145 yards a game. The Raiders have the leading rusher who just woke up and got over 100 until they took a couple of yards away at the end. Isn't the game plan to pound the Jets up front to soften them up on the back end?
2: Well, I'm going to take a quote from Mr. Jacobs himself. He said this yesterday on Raiders Game Day Live. And he said, when in doubt, Give me the ball. And, you know, I, that's the game plan. It has to be the game plan. What would you say, JT? I mean, like, he's the Russian king, like we spoke. And going into this game, he was averaging 2.9 yards uh, carry. He comes out, and he's running downhill, five about five yards to carry, two touchdowns, most in the game this season. It was that Josh Jacobs that we were accustomed to seeing, you know, throughout his whole career yeah. up to this point. And so you've woken him up. Offensive line is back to doing what they're doing. Hopefully Thayer Mumford comes back. You know, he missed uh, last week with a neck injury. Hopefully he comes back and then he can run the jumbo tight end a little bit more efficiently. Hopefully, uh, Jakob, he clears concussion protocol and we get him back. He can also help within the run game. You get back to full health against a team that struggles against the run and you just feed him the ball. And that's going to open up everything else for everyone as well.
0: The Jets are only giving up 18.4 points a game. The number one stat I look at every week is defensive points per game. That's who you are. That's who you are And after week nine. That's literally who you are. And the Jets are ranked in the top six. So they're only giving up 18.4. What's interesting is the Raiders have played some teams that have been better. The Buffalo Bills, uh, the 49ers last year, Kansas City. Can you believe Kansas City's defense is ranked second in points? They're only giving up 15.9, and we got Kansas City twice coming up here.
2: Kansas City is a very interesting situation because it almost – reminds me of our situation right Mm. now where everyone coming into the season this year was like, okay, we got Jimmy G, we got Devontae, Jacoby. Our offense is going to be amazing, and then our defense might be the liability. And this year, from what I've seen, it's almost kind of been the opposite Mm. where the defense, you have Max Crosby and you have that front seven and you have all the guys in the back end. They've been balling. Patrick Graham has those guys right, and they've been kind of – piecing together these wins for the Raiders when the offense has struggled. And the Chiefs has kind of been the same way this year. Kind of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's still still one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the the one great quarterback in the NFL right now. So he's not been playing up to, you know, the standards of what we're used to, but his defense is kind of keeping him in games as well. So that will be an interesting game as well when it comes up.
0: Levi, this is a tough question because— and it's, I don't want to use the word tough because Antonio Pierce said in the press conference he had the practice squad players on the sideline because he wants some of them to make the team. Well, that doesn't happen unless two things happen. Someone gets hurt and they get elevated or they're playing better in practice than a starter. And that brings me to the linebacker core now. Divine Diablo did not play in this game. Masterson was also not playing because he was concussed. As you look at the linebackers now and the players that can step in, Jalon Smith was brought in. Didn't have a big game here overall, but we know what he can do. And then you see some of the other players. We can't wait for Jacorian Bennett to really explode and play better. Nestor Jade was activated in this game. But I want to talk about the linebackers. Do you think there's an opportunity – Maybe for a player like Amari Burney, who had a decent game here, or Spillane, who's going to be the one reliable guy, the starter there, I think Diablo gets his job when he comes back, but i 'm wondering if that linebacker room's looking around going Our head coach is a linebacker i'm i 'm now going to play my ass off to try to start. I think the energy in that room's real important
2: the energy is is crucial in that room, and you can see just from the yeah. from him and champ getting in charge, of course. First couple of signings, first couple of practice squad players they bring in, all linebackers. That's not by coincidence. It's because they know that – position to football they know the defensive side of the ball and they were like look we have some dogs out there that can contribute to this team right now we're going to bring them in and that's going to add a level of competition to that room even when Diablo comes back even when Masterson comes back now you have guys like Malik Reed who's productive with the Broncos you have Jalen Smith who's productive with the Cowboys you have veteran guys that are playing for their career because you know these were guys that were on practice squads on other teams and they were trying to fight do you know they stay in the NFL and now they're here uh filling in for position of need. So, it's only going to amplify guys like Masterson and guys like Diablo to continue to do what they do. And honestly, that was like the one unit coming into the season, the linebacker room. You didn't really know much about it. You knew a little bit about Spillane. You knew a little bit about what you saw from Diablo, but they have been playing so much better than what any of us could have expected as a unit. And that really is a testament to the talent that we have on the roster and also what Antonio Pierce was able to do with that unit before he was elevated to interim head coach.
0: Last one what's the big change that you see with? the access that you have and again you're supposed to win the interim coach's first game but why do you think this could be sustainable with this head coach considering what happened against the Giants leading into the schedule that's ahead
2: well first I want to say that Antonio Pierce it's not this is not a Jeff Saturday situation this is not someone that has never had any sort of you know, NFL or college head coaching experience come in and win the game. Okay, Antonio Pierce has 10 years of coaching experience on the high school, college, and NFL level as a defensive coordinator at Arizona State, a head coach at a local high school back in L.A., and he was a linebacker's coach here, as well as a special advisor for the linebacking unit when he was with the Giants still. So he has coaching experience, so he actually knows what he's doing despite what anyone, you know, knows or does not know about him. So for first, that can be maintained because of his experience of what he knows about the game of football secondly he has players in place he is like I said a players coach when I first came on here so the players are going to fight for him and that's something as a coach as someone who has played football myself you can know all the X's and O's in the world you can know schemes you can know all this stuff but if you're not willing to run through a brick wall if you're not willing to run through somebody for your coach you're not going to win a lot of games despite how much you know about it and Antonio Pierce has that fact. Actor. The guys in the locker room downstairs, they want to fight for that man. And you can just see that. And so those two things alone, I would say, you notice, you feel it, you can see it. And I think those are two things that if the Raiders are going to go on the run, that's going to be, what, that's going to be why.
0: Thank you, Levi. Good to see you. Good to see you. That was brought to you by Tequila Commissario, known to create tequila connoisseurs. Tequila Commissario, expressions are defined as elegant, balanced, elevated, And distinguished, we thank the Maloofs and their entire team, 100% all-natural, estate-grown, small-batch, handcrafted, tequila commissario, the official tequila of our show here on my show, and I'm proud to be associated with them. Thanks again to Levi, as he said it. Levi's a young guy, and he's making his bones. He's a young guy learning this business. That's why we added him to our insider group last year, and he's there. He's at the practices. I can't be at the practices. He's there in front of the coach. We're upstairs here uh, watching it and then going on set. He grinds it out. I respect everyone who's in front of the coaches at practice and trying to see things that I don't get a chance to see. I get a chance to see other things that some other people don't get a chance to see. And we try to bring it together here on the flagship of the Raiders because we're a flagship radio station and the team's coming off a win. We'll wrap it up on the other side. Last call for phone calls. A 702 9200 It's been an interesting ride this year. Just been. It's been interesting. I think that's the word I want to use. It's not bad. It's not epic. It's not great. It's not horrific. It's just a different vibe here now. And when you make a change, you're going to get the initial reaction, and normally it's going to be a positive. I believe that Coach Antonio Pierce is going to have a unique opportunity this week to bring the players back in here, and not crack them and not belittle them and not tell them, hey, get back to work. Who the hell are you? He's not that guy. But he's got to get these guys' attention really quick on Wednesday. Because they're getting off today and tomorrow. And they're going to come back on Wednesday. And they have to be good. They have to be really good. They have to be fast. They have to be decisive. And they got to get a win against the Jets. Because of the loss to Chicago and the loss, the way they lost to Detroit and some of the earlier losses this year, there's no room. There's no room to lose right now against teams that are not definable playoff teams, and that would include the Jets. That would include Denver. That would include Indianapolis. All the teams that are left on the schedule. Minnesota without Kirk Cousins. There are wins here on the schedule, but there are also some tough games coming up. 702-365-9200. We'll wrap it up on the other side. Come on in. Danny's in for Bobby today. Big shows the rest of the week. I'm excited about what we have lined up from a Jets perspective and our regular NFL insiders that we have in the grid. As I'm live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, you're listening to the flagship of the silver and black Raider Nation Radio.
1: Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show,
0: brought to you by Modelo Especial, the new number one beer in the U.S. I want to thank Modelo. They're also a partner with me on my new YouTube live stream. I like working too much. I like being on the radio every second, every night. I'm on a few nights a week. The other nights I'm not on, I have a live stream every Tuesday night on YouTube. Tuesday night, 6 o'clock Pacific Time, 9 Eastern. It's just 45 minutes of me ranting. My son helps me do it. Proud of my son. He's now in the industry, not broadcast industry, but name, image, and likeness, and college athletics, and he's doing well, and he came up with this. So we are live streaming tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Just go to YouTube. They're all on YouTube, right? I I was one of the last to the party. I just got on Instagram. I'm on the gram now. That took me a while, too. And I'm excited about this YouTube live. I think it's a big part of what we're doing. Tomorrow, we're on YouTube for Raiders Roundtable. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy, Eddie Pascal. We enjoy that. Q's tremendous. And we always have a good time on Raiders Roundtable. And we're allowed to talk about what we want to talk about. We have rules inside the building. We, re- we respect people inside this building and on the flagship station. This isn't trash the coach, rip the players, ask people to get fired radio. We don't do that. I've been in sports radio a long time. There are some stations that counter program in markets. So if you've got the official flagship of the Giants or the Jaguars or the Seahawks, the, state, the, the other radio station in town, because they're not the flagship, trashes the team to get more listeners. And it's worked at times in the past. We don't do that here. With a flagship station, with a partner, there's a lot of money that flows and relationships back and forth. But I don't know anybody who has said to my face, we don't give fair coverage. We are highly critical when this team is playing poorly. This team was playing tremendously bad on offense the last three weeks, and we ripped them every day for that. But we rip them with a level of partnership and respect. I know that sounds weird. We don't cross a line. And that's why we're able to broadcast inside the building. So if you think it's Homer Radio, go find a podcast that isn't Homer Radio. They're out there, too. But for those who listen and respect what we do, especially on a day like today, we thank you very much for your time. Just now, as we came back, we went into commercial and came out. There was a tour coming through, and they brought the tour into this multimillion-dollar TV podcast studio, and the people's jaw dropped. They walked in they're like, what is this? Well, this is what you get when you work for an A-class organization that puts their money on the line. The, the Vikings are going to start Josh Dobbs again. He won games and threw touchdowns for the Arizona Cardinals and now the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins is a very popular player in the NFL and especially in Minneapolis. And Joshua Dobbs walked in the room after their victory like he was a conquering hero. And Kirk Cousins is one of the few people that doesn't care about that. He's a team guy. So the Vikings didn't plan on playing quarterback Joshua Dobbs in Week 9, but they're planning on having to make the start Week 10 because he made some plays outside the pocket, and he barely had the playbook very similar to Baker Mayfield last year and what Baker Mayfield was able to do against the Raiders. Hey, these are pro, fo- these are pro football players. If you get traded from one team to another, you should be able to put on a helmet and play. You've been playing since you've Warner. Play the game that you love, and we saw the Raiders Able to do that. And the Ravens now have a 115-point positive differential in scoring in the NFL. Yeah, where'd the Ravens come from? How good are the Ravens? Thanks to Levi Edwards and Sam Munson. Check me tonight, Mad Dog Sports Radio, 4 o'clock. And I'll be back tomorrow. We got Raiders Roundtable, the show from noon to two, and the live stream. Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday is busy, and I'm lucky I get to be busy. And I'm very fortunate that the Raiders won the game. Q's coming up next. He was here today. He knows what's happening with this coach. She's asking the questions. I'll be back again and we'll see you tomorrow at JT the Brick on Twitter. JT the Brick Hits on Instagram. JT the Brick YT on YouTube. Have a great rest of the day, everybody.